Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Get fired up. Oh, yeah. Performance-enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah. New theme song. Same old ridiculousness. Yes, as you heard, it is the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports. It's your boy, BC, and boy, do I have a show for you today. Uh, sometimes, like, you know, historically, sometimes the show, right? You know, sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Today's going to be a good one, okay? They say never meet your heroes. Well, how about having your heroes interviewed on this podcast, okay? Okay, I got a message to a couple gamblers out there before i go further let me give a shout out to two gamblers brian and rafe i've heard of you guys yeah yeah he has he's going to be on this show richard dwyer today stop the presses richie gonna be who did who did bobby who did who did richie lupo it was me okay me dwyer in the conservatory cannot believe it it happened it did exist dwyer here today get ready Wow. All right. Let me bring in my co-host because he's got a lot, a lot of explaining to do. He's Big Red. He is a New York Times bestselling author. You can read his his stuff on TheAthletic.com. He's, in fact, the best boxing writer in the world today. It's Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you up. Let me lick you down. Let me you down. Feeling washed. Looking washed. Why eject? Uh, Rafe? I eject. Actually, you know what? I do care about you as a person. You're my best friend in the world, Rafe. You can deal with that information however you please. Um, Every morning on the Today Show, they're telling me bad things about uh, your area. Are you okay with the flooding, the COVID, everything going on in Michigan? I'm far enough away from the flooding, although that is a real, real, real serious issue. problem up there uh it's sort of like in the more in the middle of the state uh yeah it's that's terrible i mean on top of everything else and and the the toxic waste risk of the floods because of the industries in, in that area it is a a real real nightmare on top of everything else all right well let's, uh, but let's I'm, talk I'm hanging nightmare. in there they made uh gatherings of 10 and under are are now permitted again again in the state so I, that means I can get together with the three other people I know in Michigan. Oh, and you said gatherings of 10 and under. I'm like, Ray Poplowski? What? Where are we going with this? All right. Uh, Rafe, I awoke to a... That is, that, that, that is a no-no. That is, is no-no. still this is... not allowable. That is, that is inappropriate to say the least, Brian. You're going to touch me on MC Hammer, kid. You can't touch this. Okay, thank you, Enzo. Um, Rafe, I awoke to a DM slide today that guy was touching it wasn't it well allegedly and then the thing got thrown out so but he lost so, his job anyway well, definitely you know. it, it it didn't exist then yeah. if, uh, if it didn't get through our court system you know you know what i mean um first of all this show 
I mean, we did it. We got, I got Dwyer. It reminded me. Did you ever watch that movie Annie from the early '80s? Remember, it was like a musical, and they're like, "We got Annie." Boom, boom. I was dancing like that after I got the email from Richie, in which I told Richie there are many, many parishioners in the Church of Dwyer. You must give the people what they want. He responded accordingly. I put the announcement on Twitter. I awoke to this DM. Have you ever heard of this this top bloke, Matty C at MGC Speaks? I have met Matt Conrad. You have? Where? He is, he is the real deal. He is a top bloke. Where'd you... He is British, so it is a well you it is a well used phrase. Wait, Matty C's British I I assumed he lived in like Greater Detroit. He lives in Los Angeles. Uh there are some European and non uh you know, non Lithuanian American people living in Los Angeles. Okay. Okay. Um his his current uh Avatar pick is a box of clenbuterol, so I got a shout out to that one right there. Um, Matty C said, bro, I've poured like 10 gallons of water on my stuff. I think <laughs> I think you understand, Rafe, what, what Matty C, uh, when, when music la- makes him lose control, so to speak, right? You know where I'm going with this? You He's to cool it. him down. Exactly. Deep breath now. Let me, let me. Put some water on your balls. All right, Eric. Deep breath now. All right, Maddie C says, um, after the Dwyer announcement, bro, is this actually a reality? And then he came back with this, Rafe. Rafe Bugs has to be true to his work and participate on the interview. So, Rafe, it's time you get subpoenaed, brother, okay? I know Pinos inspires you, but how about this subpoena to inspire you? You can't handle the truth. There's no sense. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Son, I I've been sitting here for 10 minutes now looking over this rap sheet. Of- Rafe, I'm looking over this rap sheet of yours. Um, there was a podcast yesterday. It did exist. I dialed Mountain View, California. It did pick up. But I was alone in this endeavor, Rafe. Um, I didn't I didn't tell you I was going to out you, okay? But um, you need to talk to your people right now, Rafe. Look, Brian, we and we discussed this. I I will I admit it, and let's let's get deep. Let's get philosophical. Wait, how and, deep do you want to go? I I wanting I I'm, I'm I I mean I thought Triple G was up in that ass, yeah. and that's how oh, deep the whole we're man. getting right yes. now. Yeah, okay? the whole man got it. And uh, yeah, I jacked. I I made the conscious decision to jack. This was too much for me, Brian. I I I'm not usually not that neurotic. But once in a while, I it just I can't do it. I kid this, and I told you this felt like messing with the fabric of our universe. This felt like time cop John Claude Van Damme going back in time, and if he touched himself, his old past version of himself, the the universe was gonna blow up or something. These Dwyer is a real person, but we don't act, interact with him in real life, and it. <laughs> I just I it was it was a kind of a mind blown moment and and I wasn't comfortable with it. I didn't want I was just it didn't feel right. I I, I didn't want to blow up what we had. Rafe. I jacked. It blew up on me. I got spanked. Let me wipe the egg from my face. 
uh, we all got spanked by your decision, Rafe. Um, I mean, were you concerned, like, back to the future, that if we interviewed him and it went wrong, that your face would, would disappear from a family photo? Uh, you know, I wouldn't rule it out. But really, Brian, it is the – look, we, we can be honest here. To some degree, Dwyer has been an unwitting character on our show. And we adore his content. We respect his opinions. We love his analogies. He's an important part of what we do. Hey, player, but, you've been, you know, having my name in your mouth. Here I am now. Yeah. I, I, what it. if that? What if it went wrong? What if it went left? What if we start talking? He's like, yeah, players, I know who you are. You're those two dickheads who are always using my voice. Well, I'm. This is this is Richie's music now, and it just. It, it, there, the, Quite the frankly, never meet your hero this brother's thing. feeling a little me. bit ripped off. Um, it got to me. I will say that your getting to yourself then got to me because I was fully prepared. In fact, sometimes I like it when it goes off the rail. I've been sent to hell on my own show by Tyson Fury and the Charlos. It's going to be a fight that say, F- you and F- the you bank and F- everybody else that's down Jamal Charlotte. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put my life on the line. I hope you tune in. I did tune in. Thank he, you. He thought you, he thought you could get the score right, Mike. But you yeah. didn't. You, I, you ain't no lying. And you got me all nervous. Like, you know what? Maybe I should actually come at Rich with legitimate boxing questions. And spoiler alert, Rich is great. What he does for a living on YouTube, providing us with analysis, he's really good at. You got an entertaining interview coming your way that I will not spoil. But I will say that... Um, you know, I just thought maybe we'll just we'll live off the rails, and you you got me back on thinking this is a grown ass man here with a life. Maybe he doesn't want me speculating about the beard, the Sherpa uh, jacket, the the reasons for the move. I love that man. It, so. There's something creep. I didn't want Dwyer. I it's one it's one of these weird internet age things where look if it wasn't for the internet. I wouldn't be a creepy person who clips videos of some other person that talking in front of his weird Venetian blinds and his boxes of God knows what day after day. But because it happens, because it's just there and it becomes a part of a fabric of our lives, then all of a sudden we're doing it. But then to think, oh, man, now I actually have to not be face to face, but speak with this person who... I am treating like a product, right? Because he he ain't a real person to me. I well, to, I decided to treat him like a hero. You wanted to treat him like a product, you know. I don't. I I, I wanted to use and abuse that body. Um, no. Um, <laughs> to me, any, it's complete poppycock. Yeah, man. It was, and, and I'm also, and this is, uh, uh, I'm sorry, getting a little pedantic now, but I get a, I get nervous and a little bit. I don't love the way that all of us now, whatever profession we're in, if we're online in some way, we have to, you know, we have to sell ourselves. We have to sell ourselves as characters. We can't just be people living, interacting amongst each other. We, we're out there presenting these images on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or whatever the hell you like to use. The, the Shots app. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. If you're um, going to announce a fight, you better go on Shots. And... That 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 
modern reality, which we, not, we can't avoid and is has many positive aspects, but it makes me uncomfortable sometimes. I feel bad that you know my continued success in a professional career probably has very little to do with my writing or reporting the quality of my work as a writer or reporter and has a lot more to do with how charming I can be online and if I can ever get into good enough shape to take my shirt off in a photo again. Wow. Ain't going to happen. Wow. Would you wear your shirt um, to a pool? Don't don't do that. Don't do that. I'm very pale, man. I don't I don't I'm not a shirtless kind of dude. I mean, I could yeah, I, I and I, and no, I probably wouldn't, man. I grew up fat. I'm not trying to take my shirt off. I don't <laughs> even when I even at my skinniest, I didn't only to play ball. All right? It just it it I, yeah, that those scars don't go away, brother. Come on. That that's too much make believe for me. All right. Well, uh, so basically, Brian, I I overreacted, I think. Um, well, you got and, me nervous. And I jacked. I could not do any work yesterday until this interview. I was so nervous. I didn't know, like, if I was going to get subpoenaed by Dwyer, who has a very well decorated background in law. It's like or the Truman if... Show, man. Like that. What? How? Like when all of a sudden, when Jim Carrey realizes that he's been used his entire life. No, that, we are not. Want to mess with somebody like that? We are promoting and celebrating Dwyer. Okay, and and. And I, so I didn't know if I was going to end up being like the Chris Farley show and be like, hey, do I remember that time you said this? Ah, that was awesome, you know, or what? But you know what? I'll leave it up to the beholder when we play the interview in today's show. Very excited to share this with you. Um, I'll, all I have to say, the only spoiler is I entered loving me some Richard Dwyer. Now I love the whole man. OK, OK, you know what I'm saying, you know, what, you get you get the direction that I'm going there. I love that man. OK. Indeed, okay? Let's look at the entire man. We, I, yeah, thank you. I love you. <laughs> I'll make you a bet. I've looked at a lot of guys. All right. Uh, Rafe, we're going to take a quick pause for the cause. Hope you enjoy my new theme song here that I helped with the with a with a team a band put together. I gave them the influence. They, they gave me some. I love it. I love it. I hope you're rocking out. To my uh, to my jam band song. Um. Anyway, after this pause for the cause, we're going to look into whatever uh, news there is out there in the box game. And we got Richard Dwyer coming at you. So you're not going to want to tune away from this. Uh, shout out to uh, Alex Godinez for playing a part in this. Shout out to the ADK crew, the Irish crew, the Godinez crew. Um, you know, shout out to Omaha, Nebraska. Shout out, shout out to Flint. Shout out to Detroit. Eight mile, 10 mile. All the miles, okay? Darius Miles, two pound, two fist pounds. Big, big shout ahead. out to, Dar- to, right. to Darius Miles. Yeah, shout out to all the smoke on Showtime, even though Rafe won't watch it. They got Vince Carter on this week. Great guy. See, right. I, that's, that's part of the same overall issue. I'm not. I. I, I we got to stop selling ourselves. We got to. We got to keep something private. We got to keep some inner lives. You kind of. I can't tell if you sound like. Uh, the kid in A Catcher in the Rye right now, which me, which may lead to you uh, shooting John Lennon. I'm not sure. They're all or, phonies, you know. They're yeah, or if you sound like Lucas in the movie Lucas. Remember Corey Haim? He was against all things that were um, – what, what's the word he used? I didn't watch that. I, I, it's weird. I was a big Haim fan, but I don't think I've seen oh, Lucas. Oh, you got to see. Was Char- with cool guy Charlie Sheen as like the nice guy quarterback of the football team? I was down with license to drive. Yeah, I got inside of that too. Uh, you better have to get inside of that. Uh, didn't they? They fit a uh, Porsche inside a. Uh... <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right, hey, we're gonna be back right after this. Dig it. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. And we're back. It's your boy, BC. It's Rafe Boogs. Richard Dwyer still to come. Uh, previous shout-outs, I forgot to shout-out the Raskin family, both uh, Fred of editing fame and Eric of uh, poker. <laughs> poker, I just met her fame. I mean, uh, and youth tennis fame. Youth you tennis know. fame. Don't forget Maccabees. the Maccabi game. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Maccabee. Rafe, let's get into a, a couple things around the horn on box. Uh, the Skinheads reunited again this weekend for the third time in eight nights, eight crazy nights. UFC are a bunch of skinhead white guys watching people so, so in the, the ring. So the return of USC has been like what white guy. Brian Campbell terms skinhead Hanukkah. Yes, skinhead, chutzpah for skinheads. Uh, Rafe, do you think that the success of those three cards in eight nights, although let me be the first to tell you, uh, one fighter did come down with COVID, and they got rid of him. And uh, they also made the media. They got rid of him. Just, they just, they killed him right there. Sorry, they shot Ray, him. You know, he's put the bolt in his head. And uh, in fact, we got uh, we brought in Dana White to get a to get a quote. In fact, on that, maybe I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, then the Corona's gonna get me. All right, it is what it is. Bring it, Corona. All right. Um, and also, Rafe, I don't know if you know about this or you care, but they made the media sign non-disparagement contracts that said they couldn't talk ill or bad about the testing processes, which is, that's that's some communism BS, okay? But I'm not here to talk to you about that, Rafe. I'm here to say, do you think that opens the floodgates to for Box to full-on come back at it in the month of June? Well, floodgates? It, it seems like the, uh, that top rank, which has, you know, announced or or at least stated its intentions to bring back a number of boxing shows in June is going to, is, is doing that. I would, but everyone is at least trying to be careful where possible. It's, it's sort of an, it's such a difficult situation because no, everything keeps changing. People don't really know everything that they need to know about the, the public health situation. Um, uh, it's great that there's this emphasis on testing, but the problems with rapid testing and false negatives and whether you can get a test and, and it may not tell you, you tell you you're not sick when you are sick or vice versa. And it, it, so much of it is unknown. I think that it's good that they're moving along cautiously. They should. And they also don't really have any choice to come back because there's nothing to wait for. The situation doesn't really s- seem like like the magic bullet, the treatment, the yeah. the squashing, total squashing of the curve 
none of that's going to happen anytime soon. So everyone's, I guess, just going to start, you know, dipping a tip in the water no, come on. to analyze no, no, that tip no, no, and see how sick it gets well, look, it's when sti- we come out. So, yeah, we're coming back, baby. Is it great? I don't. We, we got to wait and see. It's still dangerous. Uh, I don't know. It's very, very confusing, this. It's danger, no? Danger, that- no? It's danger. Yes, yes, danger. How my boxing fans? You can actually read more about Sergei Kovalev on uh, Dwyer's crime blog. So shout out to Richard as well. Um, Rafe, we've got Eddie Hearn wanting to stage fights in his own garden. Went to a garden party, right? It's all right now, you know. Um, learn my lesson well. You see, Rafe, you can't please anyone, so you got to please yourself. I've well, I've done that a few yeah, times. Right on. Um, yeah. Rafe, uh, I guess this is it. his answer to Dana's Fight Island. Um, you down for uh, mansion mansion fights, backyard style? <laughs> well, I mean, why not? If it's if it's, it ends up being a good location for them, uh, why is that? Any? I mean, they don't they don't need the arenas if they're not going to be putting people in them. If they can set up a something that where they can shoot them and provide the right camera angles and everything, everyone who needs to be there can be there. Why is Eddie? Why is the matchroom boxing mansion? garden any worse than than anywhere else it's fine with me uh you know it's a funny idea who cares man also i i think i was curious is was eddie hearn inspired to do this by the great john fury who was in that video (laughs) basically pioneering the idea i mean look if you want to talk about tradition of backyard garden fighting John Fury knows a thing or two yes. about that. Bare knuckle gypsy fighting, old man, you know, traveler style. My life um, ain't worth a pence or two, buddy. Uh, yeah, meet me in Billy know, Joe like, Saunders. Come meet me in Billy Joe's garden. Yes. Come meet me in my garden. Here's the address. And maybe Eddie Hearn was listening. He's like, hmm, not bad. Let's do that. What? Mike's making a comeback. I don't value my life to 50 pence. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Rafe. Brian. Yes. Yes. Does it does all this does all this garden fight talk make you make you sad that Kimbo Slice isn't here to partake? Wow, great call on that one. The king of the backyard brawl. Yeah. Um as long I don't know, at the end of the day, as long as it's a proper fight, Rafe, I really don't care. You know, I, I had a good talk on uh BJB Brit- Two hard men is all you need. That's what that's where I'm going with that. Uh I was on BJB's podcast, Bryn Jonathan Butler, great great fella. And, uh, you know, he was really talking, you know, why don't we put fights on a building somewhere? And you know, Richie Dwyer on Today's Show got into that. Let's get creative. So I'm not against Eddie Hearn's backyard. I just need a proper fight. Oh, look, let's see if it's a proper fight. No. Yeah, come on, no. let's see it. Oh, my goodness, man. No, they might hurt each other. No, this is really the only bit I've been interested in. Wow, this sounds like uh, sounds like pre-pillow talk there. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, Rafe, um... So it looks like June 9th, Uncle Bob, Grandpa, wants to go to uh, Vegas. It's a Tuesday, by the way, and put on Shakur Stevenson versus someone. If it happens, I'm in. Uh, it Some looks, Thailand guy. So I, ha- I have a fight. I have a fight. I have a fight uh, with a, a Thailand guy. Thank you. It might, um, be, might be hard to get the Thailand guys over here right now. True. Maybe you, you might, can find someone. He was already here. You might need your own fight island. Um, it looks like Errol Spence, by the way. So you're your people. Not, I don't mean the Irish or the Czechoslovak or the Slovakian. Sorry, um, I mean the uh, the Athletic.com, the Mike Coppingers of the world. 
they're put they're recycling breaking news and apparently uh Errol Spence is still going to fight Danny Garcia this fall. Um no no tune up for Errol. No you know, a seatbelt season always in effect, but uh that's interesting. Yeah, look, if it happens great. I think that all of these hypothetical all of the every, all the news about hypothetical fights that may or may not happen pending, you know, whether or not the, there's any demand for, for 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 spending a ton of money on boxing when no one has any money in a few months or if people are still alive at that point I, you know there's a lot a lot of stuff is up in the air but hey if it if it works it works as a uh, news content uh look i hope they make that fight i hope it pushes through at some point this year and i'm i would look forward to it is is I, the 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 tune up issue at this point. I mean, it will have this fight likely won't happen until it has already been a full year since the Spence Porter fight. Probably an entire year since uh, Spence crashed. You know, got drunk and crashed his car, blew up his Ferrari, and and thankfully survived. Uh, pretty comeback much unscathed. Story of a lifetime, inspiring comeback story, Rafe. That's not how I would frame it, but I have seen individuals putting that out there look i don't we don't need to hold it over errol spence for the rest of his life except in the the sort of the joking manner that we might throw in a seatbelt season line here or there but this is you know especially in the grand scheme of of bad boxer behavior this is uh, quite mild and it's not it doesn't have to chase him around forever but it's also not something we need to recast as a inspirational story of perseverance like no you don't say that about the uh you know, the, the driving person who get, who was driving while intoxicated and survived but happened to kill a family like oh, right. oh but on, now he's coming bro. back oh, well, i'm just saying let's not goodness. do that yeah please Oh my okay, goodness! We got, we got it. All right, we got it. Anyway, um, what? And, and also, it'll so it'll be a full year since both of those things went down. Errol Spence seems to be healthy. Uh, there's going to be a mental question, but that mental question was going to be there whenever he stepped back up to a world class level. Even if, say, he did fight Luis Colazzo or uh, yeah. Omar Figueroa Jr. Or think of the yeah. worst tune-up from John Molina. You know, send that poor man out there to take another lump. Um, All of those might have been options, and they wouldn't have been that surprising and and could have been understandable given the circumstances of what Aerosmith has been through. But, uh, you know, uh, there still would have been a question when he gets back to that level of fighting, the Dannys, the Sean Porters, the Mannys, and the Dannys. Uh, I'm happy he's doing it. He's got balls. This is good. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm glad that he is – feeling confident enough to go straight back into that level. Did Ray and Leonard take a tune-up fight before Hagler? No. Okay? Right. 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 Yeah. Let's do this. It's Danny's night. Hold on, John. John, this is Danny's night. Thank you. Uh, it will be Danny's night. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, there's a lot of other crap for news. Not much. I don't know. Not much. I mean, I, I should ask Dwyer about Kobe, though, right? Kobe. How does my ass taste? Thank you. Uh, you know, I don't want to. Uh, I did get. I did get off. Well, I did get off, first of all. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Um, I did get off uh, the kind of questions, though, that people want to know and want to hear. So I'm excited about that. Um, I don't think there's much other news, Rafe. You got anything else? Uh, you know, Lomachenko versus Teo later this year, but we already knew that, bro. 
Okay. Well, yeah, this is all like, sure, if, if we can do this at, later this year, then we will do it. I hope it works out, guys. Um, I'm curious, for the sake of boxing, how, how you have perceived the uh, the skinhead experiment the last couple of weeks. How's it gone? It, 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 we're still sort of waiting to learn uh, how many more people may or may not have been infected by Jacare Souza and his corner when they were hanging out that one week. Um, but <laughs> besides that, at least, you know, for the time being, we, we don't know of any uh, enormous uh, spread and contagion as a result. So that is a success. Uh, how have they been performing? I know the, 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 Reported pay-per-view numbers were very were pretty strong for the first one. The the smaller shows have they been, you know, have they been a big deal too? Are they happy with those? Because how does that reflect on boxing? If boxing comes back with these terrible Shakur Stevenson fights, <laughs> uh, as and and you know Jamel Herring versus God knows who, and you name you know A side versus Triple D side. Well, I, I mean, well, I yeah. wouldn't mind going. I wouldn't mind having taken out taking on a Triple D side. Yeah, but, three boobs um, at once, total recall bar. Sign me up. All right, belly up to that. Um, um, it's been great. Know, it's actually been great. So the number the numbers have been really good. There are some people who wonder if that 700,000 pay-per-view by number is false because the prelim number on the same night on ESPN didn't equal up to what other large ones have had. Um, but I will say this, the marketing has been great, not just UFC. I mean, not just ESPN having that as your marketer, but seriously, Dana White has owned Rafe. If you're looking at who owned the quarantine, right? You're like Joe exotic of tiger King, whoever created zoom, right? Michael Jordan and your boy, Jason hair, and Dana White has been all he's owned the quarantine. He's been all over every topic of conversation. That's advertising for your for your company. So people knew about the fights. They happened to match them really well. And the fights over delivered as a whole across the board. You didn't see a lot of people put in bad performances that you could say, well, it is quarantine season. You saw like they went out there and fought. So. Um, I think boxing should be able to do that. Now, not everybody can do that, obviously. You need to have a TV deal that sort of funds your need to do it where you're not relying on the live gate. Um, Top Rank should be able to come back and do this, you would think. Uh, Dana just said yesterday that he'll be able to do their next card, which is May 30th in Vegas at the UFC Apex thing. So that means that Nevada has has or will any second be announcing that they've loosened up their laws, which should allow Top Rank in so you don't have to go to some weird place in Florida. Um yeah, it's time. Get back at it. It's time, Rafe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you think that boxing on the level that we expect it to come back at first, which is not necessarily the the highest level, uh, do you think that that will perform well on TV because there's just nothing else on, or will it basically go down like any other uh, so-so main event that people didn't care about before and still not might care about today? Um, it depends on the channel. I mean, ESPN has a better opportunity to market than most people through SportsCenter and stuff, but if you're not putting well-known guys on there, still, the, the, like the greatest thing UFC does, Rafe, is the fact that Dana is still the biggest star in UFC. And the fact that the star power matters when you're talking about big pay-per-view numbers, but that brand is still strong enough where, oh, UFC card on tonight? I'll watch it. It doesn't matter if I know the fighters that well or not. That doesn't cross over the same level of top-ranked boxing, right? they got to be putting on fights that people know or stories that we've seen before and care about. So it depends on that. I mean, you'd think if PBC came back with one on Fox – just by the sheer volume of, of the, the reach of viewers they have, the fact that people are stuck indoors, and the fact that uh, 
it's it's on Fox that you're going to get a lot of viewers because there's no other live sports. You'd have to believe you'd do well. So uh, I'm excited to see. You know, I don't know if that if that changes for Showtime. I don't know much, Rafe. Okay, I do cash Showtime checks though. Okay. Don't so, know uh, much about boxing, yo. Yes, yes. I do know uh, what I've been eating during this quarantine. Stop moving. If you do not have the type of bread you like in your house, true. eat crackers. I've been all over crackers. Some people if call me a cracker. If you do not have bread, eat cereal. I love some cereal. Eat oats. Oats? I don't know. Sardines. You're supposed to have no, a no. two-week supply for hurricane. And at the beginning of this, I said, prepare your disaster kit. As prepare your war horse for the war that's to come, Rave. Inside the supermarket, this is going to be a challenge, Rave. They could, you know, I mean, I see a, a, a nice stable of uh, whores could be useful in a disaster as well if you need to quarantine for a long time. Yes. All right. Uh, look, my my great producer, uh, Mikey Mormau, is going to get mad if I produce a long show this week on nothing, Rafe. Okay? So get out there. Go to Bob Evans if you can. If your state has uh, loosened up the laws, Rafe, I don't know what your state is doing. Can you, can you get a haircut? Yet. Well, I'd have to drive like six hours to certain counties in northern Michigan and get and swim through a flood to get there maybe all right uh Rafe we're gonna we're gonna toss to rich now it's gonna be time I, and look I mean who jacked worse right uh Brandon Rios against um your key scamboa that time um um OJ from the crime scene right um Rafe, from this potential interview, it did happen. It did Look, exist, Rafe. This, this is – I have made a, a habit of jacking at certain moments in our podcast. Pretty much any late-night reaction to a, a huge event, there's a 50% chance I'm going to jack on that. But nothing – none of that compares to this just epic, like – Pound for pound level jacking. This I'm not. I'm never going to top this jack job. No, this is you. You've pumped it more than once. This is the whole load. This is it. Okay. I'm not pulling out nothing. Well, he did. He did. Okay. That's how men roll. Anyway, let's let's bury that. It's Richard Dwyer time. It really happened. Enjoy. The listeners have waited. They have begged, and we got it for you on the CBS Sports Boxing Podcast. He's an author. He's a betting expert. The man behind gamblersadvisory.com, a free site, bettingangle.us, a free site. It's the great Richard Dwyer Rich. This has been a long time coming, often imitated, but never duplicated. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Brian, only for you. Uh, Thanks for having me. Rich, are you aware, I'm sure you are, that your cadence, your style, your delivery, along with your, your betting advice has has created a, a, a fun legion of fans who, who eagerly await your next YouTube video. Hey, I'll tell you what. I feel blessed. Uh, if you go back to my first videos, I'm wearing an undershirt, sitting on a sofa, <laughs> just ad-libbing. And uh, it's amazing how that uh, YouTube uh, channel has developed. So I'm really uh, appreciative, and it's far exceeded my expectations. Absolutely. I've seen that you put out a book as well. So certainly you've had a long passion for boxing and, and an ability to sort of look at fights from a different perspective, especially the gambling perspective. Uh, if you could just, you know, let the listeners know how you sort of we know you're a lawyer, but how you sort of got into this side of the boxing game uh, um, and, and to this level where you felt comfortable, you know, building an audience and, and, and becoming an authority. 
So, you know, when I was a kid um, in the 70s, right, I'm in my 50s now, uh, my dad was a huge boxing fan. And back then, unless it was uh, some major fight, Thriller in Manila or uh, Foreman against Fraser, um, most of these fights were on TV, uh, ABC, Wide World of Sports and stuff like that. So my dad was always watching these fights. And um, boxing is one of those sports that uh, worships the past. So my dad would tell me about Marciano. He would tell me about Joe Lewis. Um, you know, I did my own research. There would be um, old film clips on TV. People like Mark Albert were doing the fights. Uh, Ferdy Pacheco, the fight doctor, was doing the fights. And uh, I just got into boxing at the time. So YouTube, that's almost an accident. Um, I had an argument with a friend from college, and uh, we were both disputing the picks the other guy had made in the past. This is a guy I go to Vegas with from time to time. So we decided that we were both going to make videos on YouTube just so we had a timestamp of our picks and stuff like that. So in the early videos, I'm not really saying much other than, hey, I'm taking Margarito in this fight. <laughs> you know? And um, fortunately, there was a fight community that was starved for boxing. I also think, too, that YouTube created something we didn't have in the 70s. Uh, it actually gave you a film library. So you could actually sit down and watch Mike Tyson fights, watch Larry Holmes fights, watch George Foreman fights. Uh, before VCR, that was a pipe dream. So, you know, I, I started watching fights, noticing trends, uh, incorporating them into my handicapping and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it just went from there. Uh, so people have put up with me, and I'm grateful for it. <laughs> well, they've not just put up with you. They've embraced you. I think sometimes it's like, wow, this guy's got a take that may seem like it's coming from left field. And I think other times it's the forum of YouTube where we've seen – uh, you know, people that we would, let's say, assume don't have a ton of talent get crazy famous on YouTube just for turning on the camera and, and being themselves. And I think <laughs> along with your betting advice, Rich, which, which obviously comes rooted in experience and knowledge, are you aware that your catchphrases, especially even on my podcast, are part of the lexicon? Like, hey, man, don't be a blank. It catches on easy these days, Rich. <laughs> you know, people come up to me. Uh, once in a while, uh, once in a blue moon, I'll be recognized as I'm walking about. And people will come up to me and they'll start, you know, imitating me. And I'll tell you, a lot of times I look at the video after I make it and I won't even realize when I'm making the video that I use the word right as much as I do and that I say things like, that's ridiculous and stuff. <laughs> um, you don't even realize it until after the video is made. So, um I say, hey, great. If uh, subscribers enjoy what I say, then I'm a lucky man. Well, Let's that's good because, that you know, there was a close fight in, in uh, right before the uh, the pandemic shutdown. There was a close fight in boxing, and one of my followers on Twitter responded, well, that wasn't a draw in the Dwyer household. And I'm like, this thing, this thing's catching on. <laughs> This thing's catching on like wildfire. So uh, I don't know if you always know the the outreach you have, Rich, but we're big fans and uh, we, we have fun with it as well. Um, I did want to obviously talk real boxing for you, and it's been a – with you, excuse me, it's been a crazy time. We're shut down. UFC's obviously starting to get back a little bit, and I think the boxing promoters will follow that. 
but I've been a fan a long time. You just laid out how long you've been following the sport. We've never seen the sport come to a standstill. Do you think that this unprecedented time will do anything to change the boxing business, either for better or worse, as we start to come back slowly over the rest of this year? You know, I do. I actually think the sport's going to get better. Um, you know, the financial part of boxing is a really rough road to travel. A lot of these fighters, while they're great fighters, right, they don't draw crowds. So if you look at the financial situation from the Kovalev-Andre Ward rematch in Las Vegas, right, that fight had a very hard time selling tickets, even though both of those fighters were world class. So I think what's going to happen is the uh, economics is going to change. I like the idea of some fights not having fans, um, simply because it makes the fight more possible. Uh, just the act of selling tickets to fans sometimes puts the promoter in a financially losing situation. And the problem is um, we're moving more to a digital world, things like The Zone, uh, ESPN+. Plus. There's no reason why The Zone or you know, fighters who aren't champions right now. There's no reason why the zone can't say, hey, we'll promise you this much of a purse. And, you know, you'll share in the revenue that comes from the number of viewers for the service. There's no reason why they can't do that. And there's no reason why these fights can't be on TV. I thought a few years ago, it was unfortunate. And let me know if I'm talking too much. But I thought it was unfortunate that a lot of the fights were on um, pay channels, right. Showtime and uh, right HBO. Don't get me wrong. Those guys do a great job. I'm a big fan of the broadcasting teams that both of those channels had. But it's different than it was in the 70s where, you know, you saw Ken Norton against Ernie Shavers. And then your neighbors were talking about Ken Norton against Ernie Shavers, you know, when you left the house. And everyone knew who these guys were. Well, now we know who Deontay Wilder is. We know who Tyson Fury is, but we really don't know the contenders. Uh, Dylan White, as long as he's been a contender, is not a household name in the United States. I'm hoping the coronavirus will open up some eyes and will have these guys thinking about being on TV without fans. The promoter won't have to book a venue, negotiate, you know, a big fight fee. It could actually be done in a TV studio. Uh, boxing's a little bit slow to technology. They'll figure <laughs> out that you can pipe in a crowd. In other words, uh, I can have the fight in a TV studio inexpensively, right? It doesn't have to be a T-Mobile. And then I can create an effect for fans who want it. They can click a button and get a virtual crowd. Um, you know, Baseball is thinking about piping in crowd sounds. I don't know why boxing doesn't do that. That's a lot better than having championship-level fights where you have, you know, 10,000 empty seats, right, yeah. 15,000 empty seats. You're hearing the fight was a financial loser and stuff like that. Wow. Rich, have you ever considered, um, I mean, I know you have an experience in law, crossing that over into the boxing game given your passion and knowledge for the sport? <laughs> you know, 
Um, how do you put it? I'm in my 50s, so I'm actually hoping to retire soon. I'm hoping <laughs> Uncle Bitcoin and uh, Cousin Ethereum, you know, put me in the retirement thing. But don't get me wrong. I'll always be a fight fan. I think technology is going to allow interviews like this. Um, what I love is the boxing community, online podcasts like yours, uh, Twitter, where you can go on Twitter during a fight and see what other people think about the various rounds and stuff like that. So I think all of us are going to have a say in the future of boxing. I think the increased participation is going to make the sport that much better. So, um, you know, if, if someone wants to do a podcast uh, of me down the road or, you know, videos or what have you, uh, sure, I'm always game for that. But I, I, I'm trying to leave the employment game. I'm not trying to be an employee of a network or anything like that. Smart you know what I'm saying? Man. Smart man. Well, you know, you've got the Dwyer crime blog going. We've we've seen you do uh, crossover into other sports on YouTube. <laughs> you your homework. Yes, yes. You know, you know. I mean, look, you're an entrepreneur. We, you know, we appreciate that. Um, look, you've been ahead. I love. The thing I love most about your analysis is you're not afraid to throw out something, like I said, that on the surface would seem ridiculous. But, you know, you start to think about it. You go, maybe, maybe Dwyer's just ahead of the game on this. You were very early on saying, and I'll quote you, Tyson Fury's not a good heavyweight. He's not even a great heavyweight. He's a historic heavyweight, Rich. And we've certainly seen that come to the forefront a little bit more in his comeback as things stand now in this rejuvenated heavyweight division, could you see him completely run the table of all the big names? Oh, absolutely. Um, I personally don't think that a fight against Wilder, a third fight, is going to be competitive. Um, I don't think that any fight of his against Anthony Joshua is going to be competitive. I think the way the sport has kind of morphed, you have some talented guys right now who really can't move. And so I don't expect Andy Ruiz, who has the fastest hands in the heavyweight division, to be competitive against Tyson Fury. Um, I don't think Dylan White, who can't really move that well and who has stamina problems, look at him at the end of the Joseph Parker fight, I don't think Dylan White's really going to threaten Tyson Fury. So I do think Tyson can run the table. The guys who I think will give him a problem are not the guys the public thinks. So, you know, Usyk, to me, is a major threat to anyone he fights at the heavyweight division, and people don't see it. You know, um, you have David Hay going around thinking that uh, Chisora is going to give Usyk a hard time. Um, Usyk's exactly the kind of crafty guy who would figure out that if he's fighting a Tyson Fury, he's going to have to deal with Fury's length. He's going to have to deal with Fury's foot speed. He's going to have to find a way to get inside on Tyson Fury, right? If Fury goes southpaw, which he has the capability to do, Usyk's one of the few at heavyweight who can go southpaw. But the problem is one of image, how you meet a person. And folks met Usyk as a cruiserweight. They don't view him as a heavyweight, even though physically he's bigger than Sonny Liston was. So, you know, let me say, too, that boxing is one of those weird sports where uh, the perception can change quickly. Uh, Tyson Fury outside the ring is a fun-loving guy. Um, If you look at the betting spreads for his first fight against Wilder, even his second fight against Wilder, uh, the public was equating Wilder, a one-handed fighter. I don't mean to diss 
a multi-year heavyweight champ, but Wilder's very limited compared to Fury. They uh, they were looking at a one-handed fighter against Fury, who is two-handed, who moves better than Wilder, who's bigger than Wilder, who, if the fight was a slow fight where no one got a knockdown, would clearly outbox Wilder. You know, so the public seems to uh, confuse a guy's out-of-the-ring persona, you know, happy-go-lucky, wearing a Batman suit to a Vladimir Klitschko press conference, <laughs> with, uh, right, you know, with, um, you know, the guy's actual ability in the ring. I heard your earlier show, too. Let me say this. You were talking earlier on an earlier show about the possibility of a Conor McGregor versus yes. Oscar De La Hoya fight, right? And your guest at the time uh, said that he thought De La Hoya would crush him. I don't. I think that's a great fight. I, you know, I don't know who wins that fight. I'll just put it yes, to you this way. Say it, Rich. Uh, I don't know either. That's why we need to see it. You know, you know, Oscar would do that. He would do it. Come on. Right. I think Oscar would do it. Oscar's an interesting individual. What people need to remember is how bad he looked at the end of his career. They also need to consider, and if you're handicapping fights, you need to consider this, uh, Oscar's out-of-the-ring problems, right? They involve self-employed models. They involve rehab and stuff like that. Fishnets, Rich. They involve fishnets. We can't avoid it. It happened, okay? They involve fishnets. Right, fishnets. People can Google it online. There are even photos online. <laughs> and so um, I, I get the feeling that Oscar, in his late 40s, isn't in the kind of shape that a Floyd Mayweather was when he fought McGregor or that a Paulie Malignaggi, who I think would beat McGregor, mm-hmm. is, right? Those guys are still in the ring from time to time. I guess Mayweather now is training fighters. Oscar strikes me as having crossed over into the business realm I don't think he's in great shape. More importantly, you know, Mayweather's a two-handed fighter. Oscar really lived off that left hand. So Conor McGregor, who, you know, was telling Mike Tyson he felt he could beat Floyd in a rematch and stuff like that, I think think Conor McGregor, if he looks at film and studies film and figures out how to stop Oscar's left hand, right, I think McGregor could win that fight because – Oscar is going to try to knock out McGregor. Oscar's telling people McGregor doesn't make it out of the second round, right? You and I know that if McGregor studies the sport, develops a little bit more of a back foot than he had against uh, Floyd, right? right? If he can stay away from Oscar and stay away from Oscar's left hand, I believe McGregor would be the fan favorite. And, you know, I think McGregor would, would have a shot. Let me say this, too. I saw the McGregor-Floyd fight. Uh, Connor took it seriously. That was not a paycheck, you know, get paid and run fight. Connor took that fight seriously. I thought he did awfully well against Floyd. I did too, but you I know, still he, he can't tell if... My did Floyd carry mm-hmm. him, Rich? Like, obviously Floyd took a couple rounds to get a snapshot because, you know, it's Floyd's too smart to go in there and get caught with something wild. But do you think Floyd actually carried him? You know, I do because Mayweather is uh, very hard to hit. And you'll notice in that fight, McGregor's landing headshots on Floyd, who is holding his head differently than he normally holds his head in fights, right? So I thought, I thought Mayweather, whose last fight was against Andre Berto, 
right? Mayweather's fighting tough opponents at the end of his career. I thought Mayweather took it easy on McGregor. Now, that said, I didn't get the feeling Mayweather could stop McGregor earlier, right? Mm. And, I, and I definitely got the feeling that McGregor surprised Floyd. So I think it's a combination. I don't think Floyd fought the fight like he was fighting against Manny Pacquiao. But I also feel that Floyd was surprised by how, you know, McGregor came to win. Indeed. And um, that fight really comes down to stamina and stuff. You know, McGregor doesn't have the defense, right? He's, he's two in the pocket, and he starts to tire in that fight. And uh, you notice that McGregor wasn't built to go the full 12 rounds. Um, that's why I think Paulie Malignaggi would take him out late in the fight. Don't get me wrong. I know McGregor had some success against Malinaji, according to reports and sparring. But I think in a real fight, guys like Malinaji, who are there to outbox him, Floyd, who are there to outbox him, are going to be able to tire him out since boxing matches are longer than MMA fights. But an Oscar De La Hoya, who himself had some stamina problems, who, you know, is in his late 40s now, who hasn't been in the ring recently with Andre Berto, who is one-handed, who's coming to KO Conor McGregor, I think a guy like that could um, have stamina problems himself. You know, if I'm Conor McGregor and I'm fighting Oscar, you know, the first couple of rounds, I would treat them like Bernard Hopkins does, like uh, Larry Holmes did against Mike Tyson. I would just look at what the guy has and cover myself up to make sure I don't get hit with something big. Then after that, I think what Connor's going to find out, he's in his early 30s, is that he's fighting an old man. You know, I think all of these guys who are, you know, late 40s or in their 50s, if you can survive the first few rounds, then you're going to find a guy tiring in front of you much faster than you're tiring. I like that breakdown. That that seems really smart. And in in you know transitioning on Floyd, you've often said the only man you thought really that could be a prime Floyd Mayweather is younger Floyd Mayweather. And I and I love that comparison. But we've played a game because as journalists, um, you know, we've been critical of Floyd's, uh, especially pre-Pacquiao, <laughs> critical of Floyd's handpicking and the timing on that. And look, when it's all said and done, Floyd's resume is going to age like a fine wine we're not going to be like oh he should have fought Mosley two years earlier you know what I'm talking about here but when you do look back at the contemporaries Floyd was around had he fought some of these guys in their absolute prime which one do you think does give him the problem is it is it 08 Cotto is it 07 Paul Williams like who's the guy that you think Floyd could have taken an L against well, wow, that's assuming Floyd didn't take it out. Um, that first Castillo fight, uh, I got problems with that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, an argument can be made that Floyd wins the fight. But had the judges given that fight to Castillo, and I believe HBO did, right, yes. Harold Letterman, uh, Floyd really couldn't complain that much. I would invite the listeners here to look at the CompuBox numbers on that first Castillo fight. Um, I do think prime Ray Leonard, if we're going back in history, uh, beats Floyd because uh, Ray Floyd's a pot shotter. Ray's a combination puncher. I think that um, Ray was loved by fans. Floyd's respected, right? Ray had Manny Pacquiao's 
level of adulation. Mm -hmm. And Ray was two-handed, unlike Pacquiao. Uh, Ray also had a back foot. Uh, So I do get, you know, I think Thomas the Hitman Hearns, now let's remember, I'm biased. I'm a child of the 70s and 80s. I think Thomas the Hitman Hearns would have beaten Ray Leonard. I encourage people to look at Hitman's demolition of Roberto Duran. I believe that fight goes two rounds. Yes. Uh, Duran, a great inside fighter, can't get close to Hitman. So I do think, and of course, you know, I haven't seen the films because they're so few and far between, but we keep hearing about Ray Robinson at welterweight. And I think Ray Robinson at welterweight, just looking at Ray Robinson at middleweight uh, before his first retirement, um, I think he would give Floyd all he could handle. So, you know, it, it, as for Floyd's contemporaries, I wish I saw him against Antonio Margarito. Yes. The Antonio Margarito who beats Sergio Martinez. Let's remember that fight took place. That Margarito, and I don't know if Margarito was legit back then. I don't know if he's loading his gloves or what. But that Margarito was physically bigger than Floyd. He would have come forward on Floyd. I believe um, a guy like Floyd relies on you reading his feints. And uh, a guy like Margarito ran those red lights. So I think um, Margarito, in his prime, would have given Floyd Mayweather a hard time. Also, Mayweather himself, and Floyd's a great interview, talked about how Emmanuel Augustus, the guy who ran red lights, gave him his toughest fight. And, um, you know, Margarito is Emmanuel Augustus with more talent. I you like know? it. So I thought, I thought Margarito would have given him a hard time. It would have been great seeing Floyd, who, let's remember, was a smaller guy who gained weight to get up to where he ended up. Him against Aaron the Hawk Pryor uh, would have been a great fight because, um, you know, the Hawk would have been in Floyd's face. I believe that's the kind of fighter who would give Mayweather a hard time. Uh, a guy who can come inside and throw heavy volume, right? Floyd's incredibly accurate, but Floyd wasn't high volume. Great breakdown there. I appreciate so, that. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I do wonder if Margarito could have got inside. Maidana was able to do that with the right referee and Tony Weeks in that first fight between him and Floyd. Uh, and if Margarito's a more skilled version of that, that would have been interesting. I know Floyd turned down the uh, $8 million Bob Aaron was trying to give him for that Margarito fight and sort of rightfully broke free and, and obviously made that money player. So that's a whole other story. But, Rich, I don't want to keep you all day, although I could here. Uh, I did want to talk about the, the, the stars of today. You've been very honest on Errol Spence's ride, right? Like, let's let's have a conversation about Errol Spence's back foot game. Well, that was a short conversation, <laughs> Rich. Um, who do you think, though? Because Spence is in the conversation for the larger pound-for-pound pound king. And I often say on my podcast, I can't remember a time where there's been this much debate. Normally, it's guaranteed. It's Roy Jones, and it's maybe... Bernard or Oscar or Shane had a window where for a day they were pound for pound king. Then it was Manny. Then it was Floyd. Then it was Chocolatito for a few months. Then it was Andre Ward. But you always knew who was the king or the one in waiting at the moment. I think right now between Crawford, Spence, Canelo, Lomachenko, and Anue, you got five guys who have a legitimate claim at it. Where do you stand on who is the best in the sport right now? 
You know, for me, it's Terrence Crawford. Um, in fact, let me go further and just say, um, Errol Spence proved me wrong in his fight against Mikey Garcia. But looking at the current odds, I don't know how anyone could get a plus 200 and higher on Danny Garcia. Um, fighting an Errol Spence who's car flipped multiple times, who's been out of the ring for a year, who got tested big time by Sean Porter in his last fight. Uh, the betting side of that play, regardless of who wins, has to be Danny Garcia plus 200. Um, I would hedge it with something like the over. But uh, I think the Spence-Danny Garcia fight's interesting. I think Spence is making a mistake. Uh, he's risking his reputation far more than he would if he fought Terrence Crawford or Manny Pacquiao, simply because uh, Pacquiao is Hall of Fame emeritus, right? We know Pacquiao's going into Hall of Fame. He's been dominant for more than a decade. Uh, Terrence Crawford hasn't lost. Right? Unlike Danny Garcia, who lost to Keith Thurman, who lost to Sean Porter. And so I'm surprised Spence would put his reputation on the line against a guy with multiple losses, right? Rather than fight at Terrence Crawford, where if he loses, we would then say, well, he lost to a great fight. Right, right. Right? Uh, but uh, Crawford, Crawford, like Usyk, like Fury, can go lefty or righty. Crawford was undisputed at 140. Crawford has beaten fast guys like Amir Khan. He's, uh, you know, Crawford's one of those guys who, to me, finds a way to win. I think Spence, he did surprise me with his jab against Mikey Garcia, uh, but Spence normally is a guy who tries to collapse the pocket and impose himself on you. I can't say that about Crawford, right? Crawford's a different guy. Crawford's like Usyk. He's a, he's a different guy depending on his opponent. So I I do expect Crawford to beat Spence, should Spence beat Danny Garcia. I'm very disappointed that Spence, even if he feels he's not 100%, that Spence isn't trying to fight 40-odd-year-old Manny Pacquiao or Terrence Crawford. Yes, you know, to me, he, he must lack confidence if he's fighting Danny Garcia. And I wouldn't be surprised if Danny beats him because I know in boxing, we always remember guys at their best and stuff like that. But I, I got to tell you, if I was in a life-altering car crash last year and I hadn't fought since, and I'm coming off the coronavirus lockdown where I haven't been able to spar as I normally do and stuff like that, I'm surprised any betting book would make me a three-to-one favorite or what have you. Agree, yes. Yeah, good call there. And, Rich, you were so ahead of the game. And I, Well, let me say, you had Pacquiao beating Crawford forever. Back when we thought maybe Pacquiao was washed and people laughed at that. Then, obviously, Pacquiao did what he did to Thurman and were like, whoa, we, you know, we were wrong about him. Do you still have Pacquiao beating Crawford or is it too late now? You know what I do? Uh, let me also add to uh, Lomachenko, uh, another guy who's ambidextrous, uh, belongs in the conversation of the best uh, pound for pound right yes. now. Yes. I think Manny Pacquiao's a freak athlete. Um, Manny's the guy who is predictable. You know, he's going to try to hit you with that straight left hand. You know, you know it's going to be hard to deal with his speed from a southpaw stance early in a fight, right? But the thing is, Crawford had a problem to me with Yorkie Scamboa. Uh, Amir Khan 
just isn't as savvy as Manny Pacquiao, right? Amir Khan's head is there to be hit. Pacquiao moves his head. Pacquiao's shorter than Amir Khan. He's harder to find in the ring. If Crawford fights Pacquiao, I'm expecting Manny to get there first. Uh, first off, I'm expecting Manny to be the guy entering the ring who's loved by fans, right? Uh, and that matters because judges do shade rounds towards the more popular fighter. Right. Um, I'm also expecting Pacquiao to give Crawford, who to me is a technician. In other words, he's figuring out formulas to beat you, but he's not athletically gifted. I'm expecting Pacquiao to be too fast for Crawford to figure out what's going on early. And if Pacquiao's fighting you, as Keith Thurman found out, and lands some early shots, Shane Mosley, another fight where he drops the guy early. If Pacquiao drops you and is ahead on the scorecard going into the later rounds, uh, the fans are just going to will him to the win. You know, now, now it's dangerous. I'll agree. Pacquiao's in his 40s and stuff like that. But Crawford is not a freak athlete like Pacquiao is. And I do feel the sport favors freak athletes who know what they're doing. And Pacquiao back with Freddie Roach. Um, I thought just looking at how Pacquiao was coming in on Keith Thurman and how Thurman was unprepared for it, um, I think Crawford would be unprepared as well. Pacquiao is also very hard to clinch. And, um, you know, I think people are mistaking uh, the work of Floyd against Pacquiao, which was really high, high high-level stuff with um, what other guys can do against Pacquiao. You know, Floyd, too, used to be a freak athlete when he was younger. Um, Floyd, his lead left hook is better than any punch Crawford throws, right? I think it's a mistake to look at, Floyd's victory over Pacquiao, and then to think that even a technician like Crawford could repeat that. You know, so if I were Manny Pacquiao, I would have two fights in mind, Crawford and Spence. If I could get Spence now, you know, uh, without him having had an interim fight after the car crash, that's the fight I would want, right? Then I could work up to Crawford. But if I'm Manny Pacquiao in my 40s, I'm only fighting legacy fights yes. at this point. The belts really are irrelevant. If they strip him, who cares at this point? We got to find out what he's what he's drinking, Rich. Well, I'll have what he's having. I want to believe what I see is clean sport. It's probably not, and I need to be okay with that. But come on, that performance against Thurman was just unreal. I want to believe in my heart, Rich, but I think I know the the final score. You know, whatever. I mean, you know well, law better well, uh, than I do. I'm not. I'm not making any accusations here. All right. There it is. There it is. Well, uh, I can tell you, I, uh, I I lived through baseball in the 90s. And back then, we were wondering why every other guy was hitting 50 home runs. <laughs> and uh, people were so silly. They were talking about a juice ball and stuff like that. <laughs> right? And uh, I'll just say, too, people forget boxing. Uh, you had Tommy Morrison, who was, uh, you know, beating some pretty tough guys. And now we're finding out that Morrison, um, you know, was using performance-enhancing drugs. Yes. And um, you look at the number of guys who've been busted, even today, using PEDs. And I think we're kidding ourselves um, into believing that no one's juicing. Uh, The money's just too big. Uh, These guys have too much at stake. 
Um, there's plausible deniability all over the place. You have people who ran into problems uh, giving out PEDs in the track and field world yes. uh, who are now some of the elite trainers in boxing. And, so and you when, got the promo- I, when I look... It's in the promoter's mm-hmm. interest to make sure nobody gets caught, too, for their financial bottom lines. Like It just, it just all makes too much sense. Oh, let me tell you, uh, speaking of Manny, uh, I know Manny had a trainer. We won't even mention his name, but Manny had a trainer who um, there was an issue on who hired him. Freddie Roach actually went public and said, look, I didn't hire him. This is out of my purview. Um, You know, this is something the fighter has arranged. And, of course, Freddie didn't know what this trainer was putting in shakes. So, of course, there came a time where the trainer got, you know, uh, let go. And boxing fans like me and you still don't know who hired the trainer. um, Excuse me, not the trainer, the nutritional consultant. Yes. And to me, boxing's filled with this where these guys, you know, claim that, um, you know, they, they trusted some underling and the underling did them wrong. I remember Lucien Boutet failed a drug test, and he claimed that some consultant did him wrong and stuff like that. Um, I believe the story is deeper than that. I, I personally believe, looking at films of many of these boxers when they were amateurs online, and they're on YouTube, and seeing the musculature, and then looking at the guy now and seeing no body fat whatsoever yes. and just wondering how the guy could transform his body in his mid-20s, right? Clearly the guy was uh, dedicated to boxing when he was on, you know, his country's amateur team. I do believe that, you know, performance-enhancing drugs are all over the place. If you've ever been in a uh, gym where people do PEDs and stuff like that, um, and if you've ever been in a GNC and stuff like that, you know there are testosterone boosters, right? Mm-hmm. Frank Thomas right now is uh, hyping on TV some testosterone booster. Uh, let's just say the PED issue is an underreported gray issue in boxing. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, I wanted to hit two quick hitters on the way out because our listeners would kill me if I didn't ask. Well, one, Rich. Your yeah. cadence, I still say you should be breaking down fights somewhere on TV because, because of the way you see the action <laughs> is very professional, and I give you credit for that. But I hear a little Vin Scully in your natural voice and delivery. Were you a Dodgers fan or something? Is there an influence in there? Oh, no, I'm a Phil Rizzuto Yankee fan coming up. There you go. Uh, but I'm a big fan of Vin Scully. I've been really blessed because I uh, – I did live in L.A. for a little uh, period of time, and Vince Scully was doing Dodger games. I now live in the Bay Area, and John Miller is doing Yes, um, and he's a disciple of Vince, yes. He's spectacular. Yeah, my uh, dad was a Mets fan, and uh, Lindsey Nelson, if anyone remembers the uh, guy who worked Mets games with uh, Ralph Kiner, uh, Lindsey Nelson was outstanding, and uh, I have been blessed in uh, listening to some great broadcasters. All right, then let me ask you this. We have to lament together. The Hooters in Campbell, California. Rich, it was a great place to watch a Canelo fight. What the hell happened? Oh, my God. You know, I really do feel that uh, for some big fights, uh, folks have to find a way to get to a sports bar that's showing the fight. I know it's more expensive than just 
paying the pay-per-view and having people over at your place. But, um, you know, those Canelo-Golovkin fights, let's just say that the um, crowd was predominantly a Canelo crowd, and they knew. And, you know, as much as I remember the fights, I remember the crowd reaction. Yes. They knew that there was something wrong there. You know what I mean. Uh, you, you know, Canelo is an excellent fighter. I give him credit for taking tough fights. I give him credit for jumping divisions. But he's won some awfully close fights. And um, the problem I have with the Golovkin situation is that Golovkin really was a historical middleweight. In other words, you look at his KO streak up until the Danny Jacobs fight, and you uh, look, look at the fact that he was unbeaten. Um, he really was the legacy middleweight champion when he fought Canelo. I know they both had shares of the title and stuff like that. But uh, for him to lose his unbeaten streak that way was frankly ridiculous. And I thought in the rematch, um, I know we think of Golovkin as throwing a lot of big shots and stuff like that. But how could you look at the jab Golovkin's yes. throwing in that rematch and not reach the conclusion that Canelo didn't do enough to beat him, right? And so now, sadly, I feel Golovkin's in decline. I thought Derevi Ochenko uh, beat him badly, quite frankly. Um, I don't think we're going to get the Golovkin we had before. And that's unfortunate because, in my eyes, he didn't really lose his middleweight title. I agree. I agree. But, Rich, don't bury the lead here. Many guys want to know, did you find a replacement bar to watch fights at? Because we had viewers or listeners <laughs> show up at that Hooters and send in pictures of it closed down. They were distraught. Oh, man. You know what? I'm still looking for a replacement bar. Uh, years ago, I used to go to Ricky's. Um, I saw the Vladimir Klitschko um, David Hay fight at Ricky's in the East Bay. Uh, it's near Oakland. That's a spectacular spot, but it's just too far from where I live. Okay, so I need to you. find a spot like that, you know, where I live in the South Bay, and I haven't been able to uh, just yet. All right, uh, Hooters was great. Still working on a replacement. I'll let you know when I find one. Please do. Fair Thank enough. you, Rich. And also in closing, the only thing I collect in life, Rich, are replica NBA jerseys. I love random ones. I got Yinkadare. I got Cherokee Parks <laughs> on the Mavericks. I got some weird ones. I don't think anyone's got a full sports jersey collection like your own. What is the number here, Rich? What do you got? Hundreds of these? Oh wow! I have uh, I have a few dozen. Um, I buy them out of uh, China. Um, you know, maybe I need to up my game, given that the dollar's <laughs> probably going to plunge soon. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, but you know, to me, jerseys are a great way to connect with other sports fans. So I remember uh, I had a jersey of Deshaun Watson. Uh, the Clemson quarterback who's now with uh, Texas. And uh, he slipped a little bit in the draft. And so right after he got drafted and got his number, I got a Deshaun Watson jersey. I cannot tell you how many people uh, would literally come up to my table in a restaurant to talk about Deshaun Watson. And it's great to see him go on to a great career. So I, um, you know, for anyone who wants to... Uh, talk with sports fans and have individual fans come up out of the woodwork, uh, get some sports jerseys. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's a strong recommendation. 
Well, Rich, it's been a pleasure. Congrats on the move. I love your sense of humor. We have fun with your great Dwyerisms through the years here, and uh, it's been great chatting fights with you. Hey, thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the invitation. And best of luck on, on all of your sites. We find them Richard Dwyer on YouTube, gamblersadvisory.com, bettingangle.us. It's been a pleasure, Rich. Take care. All right. Thank you, Brian. All right. Wow, Rafe. We are back. Uh, it happened. It did exist. I got out of the hot tub. It happened, Rafe. Um, this is probably our, our highest rated episode ever, and that's that's a credit to Mr. Dwyer. Uh, your thoughts upon hearing it, Rafe? Well, I, I think that he really uh, he took it upon himself. He took advantage of my absence, um, which I, was not my fault at all. And he, he used that to send my my Delahoyer McGregor take to hell. <laughs> he took the whole soul on that one. Um, he, uh, you know, what did you, you did that make you more excited for uh, for McGregor Delahoya? Yeah, or I just popped when to he hear me get sent to hell. He went out of his way to not only send you to hell, but to reference the fact that he. He has heard of us. He has at, at the very least, Rafe. Now, I didn't ask him, but at the very least, I would assume upon accepting invitation to this pod that he did look up the pod, examine the pod, you know, and then maybe listen to five to ten minutes of it to be able to get the topic. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he knows our adoration from him from that, but I did pop for that, right? It's like when somebody remembers your name, Rafe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not convinced after listening to the, to that conversation that Dwyer necessarily hears Jimmy when it comes to the state of combat universe, but he's listened to some Jimmy. Um, did you? I grew from affection to the man through the through the process. He seems like a very nice guy, Rafe. If I was going through a divorce in Northern California or, or needed some real estate property advice or maybe wanted to get a good hedge, I, I would call Rich. Well, yeah, I think I wonder where you know if he's got a divorce lawyer side to him, there must be a, a ruthless bastard somewhere underneath that warm, loving voice uh and very generous generous spirit in youtube and in the interview but if he's gonna represent you in that kind of uh that kind of proceeding he needs to get dirty (laughs) uh i'm I'm sure he's got that side uh look i didn't know if it was going to be a car wreck if he was going to be like boring and uninterested the more i tried to take it off the rails in the end, I, I did kind of Chris Farley him because he's just such a nice guy. He actually gave some thoughtful, well-done analysis, and you got to to hear the full package of his cadence and delivery, Rafe. And um, it turned out to be a positive experience in the end. It's, it's, uh, that's, that's how a lot of people like to look back on their um, their – you know, losing their virginity in a in a bathroom somewhere that they kind of actually regret. <laughs> Uh, he talked about Potcoin, Rafe. He talked about uh, – he sent Oscar's fishnets to hell. It was – I was to say, Uncle Bitcoin, I believe – I thought he had talked about different uncles and aunties in the past. Yeah, wasn't it uh, – uh, do I have that? Do I have that, Rafe? Please like, tell me I have Aunt that. Shirley or Aunt uh... – It is the day before Christmas and all through the house, not a creature was stirring except fight fans like us. Yeah. Let me wish everyone a very happy holiday season. 
Let me also give you some ammunition because they're all rich. Okay, yeah, that wasn't the Antonisha one. Sorry, that was uh, that didn't really I thought, rhyme. I thought either, he was going to but... get there. I thought he was going to. No, get there. I don't think he gets there. I don't think it existed. Um, I mean, Rafe, was there any wah wah elements to this? Because all we actually did was talk boxing. I don't think so. I, I, I'll be interested. I was happy it went that way. I am still wary of get, getting too meta with Dwyer. Uh, that that just because look, it would it would. I would be really, really sad if it turns out that he doesn't appreciate that, and which is obviously a possibility. You know, we we uh, we derive a good bit of humor from some of his clips, uh, and if and if, if he doesn't appreciate that, and it angered him or seemed to hurt him, I would feel like a dirt bag, and maybe that's how I deserve to feel. But I don't, I don't really, I don't want to go out of my way to to, to experience that feeling. I'm with you on that. I'm with you. I'm glad. Then in the end, I'm glad it worked out well. Okay, I would love. Now, he did mention he'd let us know if he finds a replacement for Hooters in Campbell, California. I would love one day to have a, to crack a cold one with him. More beer for me. Rafe, would you ever? You know, I don't know if he dabbles in anything else. Uh, you know, Peace Pipe, I'd, I'd share it with him. Hey, let me use some heroin. No, whoa, whoa, Rich, I got standards here. Um, but, Rafe, will will it ever happen? It didn't seem like he goes to fights. It didn't seem like he has an ambition to be a boxing lawyer, a boxing commentator. As he said, Rafe, I'm trying to be my own boss. I'm trying to retire. I'm trying to get away from that lifestyle. Um, Thank you, Uncle Bitcoin. Um, so... Are we? I mean, there's not. It's not like there's going to be a giant fight in Oakland that we're both going to be going to, Rafe, one day. Um, will we, will it ever happen? I think it could happen. I don't know if I would bet on it. it a lot of it. I mean, so it's so hard to imagine going anywhere, being in a crowd right now. That the idea of uh, it's hard to get over that hurdle. But of course, that will happen again. And. Hopefully, uh, yeah, we get a chance to chop it up. We do a whole live event with Dwyer in the house. We bring in the whole SOC crew. We have to we fly everyone into Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, because that is really the the heart of our operation, and 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 just blow it out there. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, yeah. I again, I have standards. Um, remember when uh, Mike and the Mad Dog had that like live show? Did you see that? Like Francesa Khan, and even he, even the grizzled old Mike, had to like give in and enjoy it and be like, these people are crazy, but they love us. Could you imagine us having like SOC Fest and the the, the guest is Dwyer and the crowd's going wild for him and Dwyer in that moment like. Can, can see many, many guys and can see the love that people have for him. That's what I tried to express to him. Like, Dwyer, do you even get it that people love what you bring? See, I would love to see that happen. I would love to, to somehow be able to set something like that up with listeners of the podcast, Dwyer fans the world over, and, and really, you know, show that man some love, shower him with some affection, and we'll all have a good time laughing and talking about boxing. Yeah. Talk about hookers, whatever. I would like Hooters. That. Yeah. It has to be out of Hooters, right? That would be great. That would be great. We'll get. So did we get here with Godinez or could we have gotten here without him? Should we give Alex Godinez the credit? I think so. He relit. He, you know, we, we had tried before, but he relit the fire in a major way. He did. He it did exist. Thank you very much. Um, how do you like us now is really what I'm trying to say. You like me now. How do you like me now? 
Uh, that's your show. Hopefully soon, Rafe, we, we will have actual boxing to talk about. That would be nice once in a while. But it, it happened today, a monumental episode. We thank the great Richard Dwyer, um, bettingus.org, a free site, you know, all that. Pick up his book, How to Bet Boxing, right? Right? Yeah, hell yes. Uh, and remember that the opinions you follow should be your own. Uh, and to consider this advice from a random stranger online. <laughs> What do you think, Dwyer's, uh, if I set him up with this joke, would he have been happy? Did what's your name get at you yesterday? These nuts. Alex got, I heard Alex go, these nuts got at your DMs I, yesterday. Yeah. I think that he would be fine with that because he's, you know, he's Dwyer's old school. He would probably, you know, you play that for him. And it's like, oh, that reminds me in the playground we used to play uh, the dozens. And we would go back and forth with the your mother jokes. This is how we do it. Yeah, player. Okay. So shout out to Dwyer. Hopefully he continues to make that money player and retire. And one day we'll be retired for something we say. Oh, you know what, show. Brian? I'm sorry. I didn't yes, yes. derail this again. But I I am recalling I was surprised to find out that his uh his jersey collection is all knockoffs but from China. some Chinese source. <laughs> that was uh, we got to see a little bit more of the man right there. Uh I didn't have the a lot guts of bootlegging going on. I did wish him well on his move, but I didn't have the guts to ask what I really wanted, which was why the move was there, you know, <laughs> was there a divorce like Save it for the next interview. This was this was phase one, and then yes. you just bring him in a little bit more each You're time. Right. You're right. Each time, I love it. It was a, it was like a bonanza of love. Complete box office bonanza. Thank you. Uh, ratings are up because of Dwyer. Uh, follow Rafe Boogs at Rafe Boogs on Twitter. Read his work on theAthletic.com. Rafe, I'll give you two seconds to pump your new story. Would you pump it more than once? Uh, sure. This morning, I, I had a story come up, part of the Athletics Collectibles Memorabilia Blitz site-wide. And for the boxing page, I wrote about the world of forged Muhammad Ali signatures, which wasn't – I mean, I'm not a memorabilia geek, so I wasn't really hip to this. But it's something – it's a well-known phenomenon in the in the industry. And Ali, they, uh, a number of experts told me – is one of the most forged athletes of all time, still is among the top three forgeries they encounter on a, on a day-to-day basis, uh, the other two being Michael Jordan and Mickey Mantle, which wow. gives you an idea of the iconic status, which we already know belongs to Muhammad Ali, the greatest. But uh, it is it still was – it was interesting. And, and there are 12 different distinct uh, recognized authentic versions of his signature, and the – just talking to the guys as they tried to explain what makes each signature unique and how they can spot speed and flow in someone's handwriting. I'm like, what does that even mean when you look at it? He's, oh, you see the the pen pressure and the little feathering on the. I was like, what did you talk? Anyway, it was it was it was nuts, and it was and it also finally finally Brian, I got to learn. Did you know this part about the Chuck Wepner story? That. In the late 90s, he was the third man in an Ali forgery ring. They, uh. He was down with a forger from New Jersey who signed 10, like he estimated more than 10,000 uh, Ali autographs on posters, gloves, uh, a uh, dirtbag Bayonne leader. And they said, and they and they worked with it. They were in cahoots with a dealer who would who who would get the stuff and sell it in bulk to whoever. 
And the reason the scam worked was because they had this connection to Chuck Wepner who would vouch for it and said, oh, yeah, I have a close – Ali and I are still close friends. I go to his house and he signs them for me because he would he wants to help me out. It's so payback. The, payback. And he pled, he pled guilty to federal wire, wire fraud charges. This was a real thing. Ron Stander would beat his ass. Okay, Rafe, thank you. Or if you're referred like the new Muhammad Ali. Well, not exactly, but close. All right, that's it. That's the show for this week. Uh, check out I Got a New Piece. Uh, the 10 what-ifs in boxing of the last 30 years. Hey, Rafe, what if Buster Douglas had stayed down in round eight, right? What if Floyd had fought well, everybody he we... He did, right? It was just a long count. What if Floyd had fought everybody we wanted him to, right? You know, what if uh, uh, Shane had gotten a better deal in the gin divorce, right? You know, I mean, well, <laughs> wait, no, 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 Maybe she would have got Tito in the end. Who knows? All right, that's what it. What if Juan Manuel's, Juan Manuel Marquez's urine had been strong enough to yes. help him beat Floyd? Yes, that's a great question. Wow. Wow. You know, it's an interesting piece. Well, you know, what if Roy had retired after Ruiz, right? He'd be the new Harry Grab, okay? Thank you. Thank you. He'd get in, he'd get in Grab's ass. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I favor the guy in the ass. Yes, thank you. Okay, all right. Uh, shout out to Sergei Kovalev. Sergei Kovalev. Thank you. Shout out to Richard Dwyer. Shout out to you, the listener. I got two words. CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.